Hello, everyone. Welcome to our Sunday night blessing. A night, a time to be together on Sunday night. Thank you for stopping by. Thank you for always <clears throat> encouraging by your presence and your comments and your good prayers back to me and to the team that we have here. Thank you for that. So we're going to kick off with some thoughts in our heart today. Before we do, I do want to welcome the new ones and those who have been with us a long, long time. I welcome you also. Hallelujah. As you know, um, I love Sunday nights. I have been in Sunday night involvement most of my life. Well, all my life, put it that way. <laughs> I was born into this thing. And mom and dad kept me in church Sunday night. And then we, as pastors, had a Sunday night service. So it's not just tradition, but I believe it's a great opportunity for us to take these moments on this evening time on Sunday to talk about the good things of the Lord, to hear his voice, and to be reminded that we have a purpose that is far beyond our comfort zone that we love to keep, stay in and the limited resources we may have and even our energy level that may be low on Sunday night. I know our attendance was always different on Sunday night, most often because people said they had to get their rest. Well, we are in an age and a time that you can get your rest with your computer and your iPhone, and you can sit in your little chair there and enjoy the good things of God together. Isn't that something? Okay. Well, five things you need to know about God. Now, I realize there's probably six <laughs> and maybe seven, but I'm going to give you five today just for encouragement and enlightenment. Every time I take these opportunities to come on to our network and to our broadcast, I'm always aware that someone is listening and watching us today that has not heard the very foundational points and purposes of God. Now, some of you old soldiers that certainly have... Uh, earned your your badges on your spiritual vest, and I congratulate you for that. Some of our teachings and some of our revelations are not for us, it's for those who we bring along with us. Children of Israel, as they went through the wilderness time, they were instructed not to march faster than the children could walk. Well, that makes sense. You don't want to leave leave your kids in the dust. <laughs> I remember a story that came out of our journeys into California as a, when I was a kid. We uh, were part of an organization in those days called the California Evangelistic Association. And it was our custom as pastors and pastors' families to go to convention every year. It was like the homecoming. We'd go down and reacquaint ourselves with our with our friends, and especially the children loved it because we got to see other preachers' kids. That's how I got to know most of them was at convention. Well, 
<clears throat> convention was always a long journey down from the Northwest on old 99, no freeways, through all the little towns and the service stations and so forth. Well, the story comes out about one of our pastors that pulled into a service station late at night, as we did. We never got hotels. We just drove all night or parked and slept in the car. Well, this pastor and his family, they had uh, two daughters, and they were asleep in the back seat under blankets and pillows and all kinds of stuff. Well, he pulled in to get gasoline, and one of the daughters decided to get out and go into the restroom. He gets back in, drives off down the road. It was a long time before they realized daughter number two wasn't there. Well, we got a big laugh out of that. They went back and found her. So we don't, <laughs> I don't know where that story came from out of my mind, just popped in. <clears throat> so we don't want to leave any children, do we? We, want to, we don't want to walk faster than the babies that we walk with. One of the challenges that I have had and still do as a teacher and a revelatory pastor slash church leader, kingdom leader, is that four or five of us seniors can get together and we can talk a language nobody understands. You know, we have we have lingo and understanding. We can skip from one plateau to the other. We can zing off into the atmosphere. And if you don't understand the language of senior teachers and leaders and prophets, you're going to get lost in the dust. My apostle, one, one that I had for a long, long time, uh, Brother Clear, Norman Clear, he was certainly an apostle to so many of us young preachers. He told me one day that he preached his Sunday morning service to 14-year-olds in their language and cultural understanding and so forth. Now that sounds, sounds kind of strange until you realize that Israel had to keep up with the pace of the children. When we, uh, when we communicate, communicate Christ, it needs to be on an understandable level. Paul said that we needed to speak language they could understand. He said, when talking about speaking in tongues without interpretation in his uh, discourse on the Holy Spirit's language, he said, you don't want to just blast out with something unless they understand it. What would be a, a trumpet sound to the army if it's not a sound they understand, like charge or retreat? <laughs> one, one, one of the two. You don't want to get those two uh, signals backwards. You'd be the only one running. <laughs> <laughs> make myself laugh. You'd be the only one running out ahead of things and everybody else be, would be going home. Okay, so with that in mind, I want to talk about five simple things that God dropped in my heart today. Number one, God's not mad at you. <laughs> Why would that be a surprise to some? Well, there's an underlying thought process that leaks out of some religious teachings or some people that don't know this, that leaks out that God's out to get you, or at least, at least he's ticked off 
and he's waiting for you to break a rule so he can break a leg and teach you a lesson and show you who's who. <laughs> God's not mad at you, folks. Now, if you want to park in the Old Testament, if you want to live your life out of the Old Testament, then you're going you're gonna to get some actions from God that are not filtered through the cross and the resurrection and the blood of Christ. If you do that, you're going to have a concept of a God who is a Susan. A Susan in the Old Testament was a leader that um, would come to town, stand out in front of your, of your uh, little uh, enclosure of a village, and he would say, I'm here and I'm the new conqueror. And he would line you all up and he'd take half of you over here and half of you over here. And then he'd kill this half and stack their heads in front of the gate. And this half would be obedient the rest of their life. <laughs> I don't want my head in front of the gate. That's a Susan. God's not a Susan. He is a father that loves and he's not mad at you. Now he proved that. I believe this, the main scripture that he proved it with is John three sixteen and 17. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Now, if he was mad at you, he'd certainly hold back his precious gift of a son. He wouldn't give his treasure of heaven to redeem your sorry soul from hell. He would not do that because he's not mad at you. So God's not mad at you, number one. If we, if we recognize and really get that in our spirit, it changes our whole attitude. When you uh, when you think someone's mad at you, if you're uh, if you can remember back to childhood or your your you know your coach in the in the in the soccer team wherever you played or someone that you really liked and you you thought they were mad at you, your whole disposition changes. Your emotions are raw and you're afraid to even say anything because. Boy, they're mad, and if I break a rule now, he's going to get me. God's not mad at you. He has sent his son to redeem you. Amen. Each of these points have some good teaching behind them. This is not the place for it. My These, these broadcasts in the mornings and the Sunday night are certainly not an in-depth uh, last word on, on the subject. My purpose is to stir you up in your faith, to drop seeds of revelation in your spirit, and to ignite passion for Christ and the Father's face and his presence. Amen. Number two, God's not in a hurry. Well, too bad I am. <laughs> Get with it, God. Like the old boy said, I want patience, Lord, and I want it right now. Well, God's not in a hurry. And there's some, a couple of thoughts on that. I just scribbled down here. Um, Daniel 2.21 says he, he changes times and seasons. So it's in the hands of God to, to manipulate time and seasons. Isn't that weird? We, uh, we see time as a, you know, an ongoing, unstoppable flow of, of, of things. Just, you can't stop time. But obviously God did. In the Old Testament, he turned back the sundial several degrees to prove he was alive. And then 
He stopped the sun when Joshua was winning the battle down there in the battlefield. So he does have the ability to manipulate time, but he's not in a hurry. Acts uh, one seven says, you don't need to know the times and the seasons. The father hath them in his own hand. Well, that was a, that was a word concerning the Holy Spirit's ability to bring you on your journey. Now, in the Old Testament, the sons of Issachar knew the times and the seasons. They understood what God had in purpose in mind. Look at, uh, look at the prophets. The prophets looked at the prophecies, and they saw 70 years that they were going to be in bondage. That's why... That's why uh, Jeremiah and Ezekiel and these fellows could prophesy detailed timing because they looked at prophecies and God said, hey, I'm not in a hurry. This is going to take some time. Let's give it 70 years. <laughs> you say, well, that doesn't work for me because I have a, 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 you know, a mortgage payment or I'm sick and I really need to be healed now. Okay. That's an issue that we certainly need to understand. And I tell you, I've seen so many marvelous instantaneously, instantaneous miracles of healing and financial gain or increase or blessing that I don't, I couldn't contain them in my mind. I'd have to look at my notes to remember some of them because he does it so often, but he's not in a hurry. We are always in a hurry. Why is that important? Because God is working out his purposes for us as a people and for us as a, as a uh, creation. He created us for a purpose. So you and I then have been placed in this time frame and this journey he's on, and he put us in particular and special place in history. I want you to catch this. God put you in a special place. You just weren't scattered out along the road like throwaway seed. You were planted in the field of God's purposes, particularly in your family, your genetics. <laughs> and yes, you a man or a woman, he did it on purpose. It was a mistake. And he put you in the city, and he put you in the church, he put you in the school, he put you in the world you're in, because he understands his journey, and we don't often. So we say, oh God, what'd you do to me? Oh God, why am I in this town? Why do I have this job? Why? Do you? Okay, all those things happen, but God's not under her. He will bring to pass his desires in your life and in the purpose you have for life. Amen. <clears throat> Number three, <laughs> God's a happy God. God's a happy God. I've been accused of not having a natural smile. I have to kind of think about it. And I don't know if it comes out of, uh, you know, I'm always thinking about something. And uh, my face kind of looks serious. My wife will often say, smile, George. I said, whoa, <laughs> I thought I was, but there you go. So when I'm doing a public meeting, preaching somewhere, 
I usually give a token smile so people can know I do it. <laughs> but I am a happy guy, but God's a happy God. And the joy of God is expressed in several places through the scriptures. We know that. But the, the joy of the Lord, the Bible says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Now, he doesn't just make that up. He is joy and he is happiness. He's a happy God. And it's the happiness of God that flows over for us. It's the joy of the Lord that comes to us. It's not the judge on the throne with the rules and the law and, you know, I just have to bless them because they, they paid tithe and they made it to church again. So I guess I'm forced to give them a blessing. So here, like, oh, scratch it or cratch it <laughs> on the, on the uh, Christmas carol story. You know, well, I'm, I'll give you a piece of coal if you, if you, if you, you know, if you must. No, God's a happy God. And he dances and he sings and he parties. He's a happy God. Think about it for a moment. Listen to the laughter of the father. Listen. I mean, like the little kid in the other room with the ear to the crack in the door, listening to the laughter of the adults having a party in the other room and the music. Listen to the laughter of God, and it will change your perspective of who he is. He's not out to get you. He's not out to break your leg. Amen. Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Matthew 25.21, enter into the joy of the Lord. So you enter, enter into the door named joy, and it's a trick. It's really a scary place with a lot of danger. <laughs> and God says, gotcha. I tricked you. You thought I was happy, but I'm really mean. <laughs> no, no, God's a happy God. And he has joy unspeakable and full of glory. An old song out of our Pentecostal background. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Full. <laughs> uh oh, I triggered some of your memories. Amen. Now, number four, you need to know this. God will bring you to your maturity and to your purpose on this earth. God will bring you. I'm repeating myself. I know that. This isn't this isn't a glitch in the tape. He will bring you to your maturity on this earth. I love that phrase that's clipped into the New Testament that says, David fulfilled all of the will of God. I've had some feedback or some pushback on that when I wrote about it in one of my books. Well, David did this and David did that. How could that be the will of God? He was a murderer and an adulterer. But the Bible says in the New Testament that David fulfilled the will of God. You judge yourself according to you the flesh, and you will fail every day. You judge yourself according to the standard of your denomination or your church or your family structure. You will be a loser at the end of the day most often. So you, you walk in a discouraged point all the time. But if you listen and learn the pathway and the purposes of God for you, you will know that he will bring you to your destination and you will be successful in life.
You may not have your name in lights. You may not have the big trophies and the multi-million in your bank. And the city will not clap when you walk into the room. But God will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy. Because he knows how to bring you to your conclusions. Now, I'll tell you why I believe in that. Because he has given his angels charge over us to keep us. Now, listen to this to keep us in all of our ways. So we have we have this thing called all of our ways. There's multiplied layers of things that we do in life that God will take us through and into and through and onto and up to. <laughs> That's not a good word, but up to the next level. Okay. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. Now, if you're in your midlife, which whatever that is, and you say, well, I've had my best years. Or if you're a senior like some of us and you say, I've had my best years, lean over here. I want to slap you real hard (laughs) and slap you out of that because every day is a gift. And the next season ahead of you is the reason God took you through the last five seasons is so that you could percolate and perform his will in this season. So you had five or six failures. That's a good way to learn. (laughs) That's a good way to learn. Don't do that again. So in this season of your life, this is where you're shining. This is where you're going to see the maturity of God come. So God will bring you to your maturity. Scripture says God's not a man that he should lie. And he's told you some things, so let's let's believe him. He's giving you some prophecies, both scriptural prophecies and hands laid on your prophecies. Number five. (laughs) God loves you unconditionally. God loves you unconditionally. What does the word unconditional mean? Whoa. Wow. Where'd that go? My mind just expanded to the limits of my mind and then expanded beyond that. Didn't Paul say that you could expect and believe and and get things beyond your imagination? Exceedingly, abundantly beyond. God has plans for you past what you can think, he said. So in this thought of unconditional love, what does that mean to me? Well, as a kid, I was pretty, I understood exactly where God's love stopped. (laughs) It was at the pool hall or the show hall, you know, the, the theater, or if I said a bad word, if I had a bad thought, that's where God's love stopped. It was pretty clear out of that old holiness mess, you know, got to wear the right color. You got to cut your hair the right length. Can't wear jewelry. Can't go here. Can't go there. Can't have fun. Can't laugh. <laughs> oh boy. What a deal. God's good to us to deliver us from that mess, isn't it? All right. Unconditional love. What does that mean to you? Romans 8 is possibly the the greatest treasure that I love to read 
And I'll just pull it up here in the Amplified Bible for some of you today. And I'm taking my time because I didn't have it pre-marked like I should have. But he says in Romans 8 that the love of God, this, this love that he has for us, is never going to change, never going to, never going to wear out, according to Paul's writings. And he says that that this love we that he's given us is beyond anything that we could ever outdo. We can never outdo it. Who is he that condemns? He asks the question. <clears throat> Will Christ Jesus, the Messiah who died, or rather who was raised from the dead, who is at the right hand of God, actually pleading as he intercedes for us? Will he condemn? No, no, not him. <laughs> Look what he's done already. Who shall separate us from Christ's love? Shall suffering, affliction, tribulation, calamities, and distress, or persecution, or hunger, or destitution, or peril, or sword? Even as it is written, for thy sake we are put to death. Yet amid all these things we are more than conquerors and gain a suppressing, a surpassing victory through him who loved us. For I am persuaded beyond doubt, I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things impending and threatening, nor things to come, nor powers, this is the Amplified, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's pretty sticky. That's super glue sticky. That's sticky tack sticky. <laughs> That's Velcro sticky. God's love never fails. Wow. So I encourage you today to get this in your spirit. Don't be a double-minded man. A double-minded man or woman is one who has doubts about God, and then they believe God. God's for me. God's not for me. God's on my side. God's not on my side. David declared, the Lord is on my side. In the book of Psalms, I will not fear. Capture that today, folks, on this Sunday night blessing time. Capture it. Believe these five little simple points. Get them in your spirit. And it'll change the atmosphere. You won't have that dark cloud of doubt following you all your life. Amen. Well, I believe, I just pray for you now. I release God's blessing over you. I speak a release from any of those nagging thoughts. The enemies try to weave into your thinking. I break the power of religious tradition and false teaching. I tell you, there's a world of believing faith that's yours. Step into it and you watch the sunlight come and bring that freshness to you that you need. Amen. <laughs> well, don't forget, tune in tomorrow morning early. We'll be kicking off the week again. And having a fun time because God's not mad at you and he's a happy God and he has unconditional love and he will bring you to your destination. Amen. Subscribe if you haven't. Send me a good note. Tell me how wonderful things are going for, for you and me. Oh, I'm having too much fun today. Okay. And if God's nudging you to send us a gift, 
We receive it in Jesus' name. And I thank you for those that have and multiplied blessings back to you. I'll see you in the morning. God bless.